0: You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics podcast. This is a second episode of the Weird Dose of X, the X-Men podcast that Jason and Chris will be starting up here. In just a moment, right after I remind everybody that this week's other shows, this obviously going on the regular feed, I want people to hear how awesome Jason and Chris are on this. But the regular show that me and Jason do, and then the Star Wars show that me and Matt do, they will be Patreon only this week. We do it every time there's an annuals week, a fifth week of the month. doesn't happen often, but when it does, that week all the shows, even on our DC Comics feed, They're all Patreon only. So I'm here to let you know that you should go over to the Patreon. If you wait until June 1st and go and sign up, you can pick any level, as low as a dollar, you'll be able to listen to those regular weekly shows. But you go each level, you get more and more, but you won't be charged right away. Whatever level you pick, you won't be charged unless you decide that after June into July, if you decide that everything that you hear is worth what you are paying, You'll then go into July and you can pay that. But until then, it's a free trial. You won't be charged at all. You can listen to as many episodes, as many podcasts as you want. And I'll tell you, there's a plethora times 10 is what I've been told. We end up having a lot of reading groups. And these things go from Marvel Comics, DC, indie, manga. We end up having a weekly manga show. We have a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reading club. We have a Walking Dead Comics reading club. We have a Book of the Month podcast. We just ended up recently finishing up on our Crisis podcast, the JLA versus Avengers or JLA Avengers book that George Perez and Kurt Busiak had done. The one that they re-released a bit of in a limited amount to help out George Perez and his family. We have a Injustice Gods Among Us reading club, an Ultimate Marvel Universe reading club. All of these things going in, a Silver Age podcast, I could go on and on and on. But really what it is is a ton of comic book podcasts, a lot done with me and a guest host. We have a lot of people involved, a lot of the Get Fresh crew, uh, uh, they get involved. And also the one thing that we mention each and every week on the show, the weekly Marvel Badass Spotlight. We have that two books picked by the Badasses, the Get Fresh crew, beep, boop, every week we end up doing that. As an additional podcast to that week's books All that plus You can just go over to help us out And appreciate what we do On the regular feed And believe me there's even more Pop culture A comic book cartoon show A movie show There's so many You have to go over and check it out And it would be great if you could It is patreon.com Slash weird science All of our links Including our Patreon link Will be in the campsite bio link In the show notes of this show So you can click on that Go to all of those links, all those things. But yeah, we would really appreciate it if you support us, learn we'll what we do, and get more in return. So, with all of that, that's enough of that. We're going to go off, you know, and listen to some people who know what they're talking about, not me, Jason and Chris, talking a little X Men.
1: Welcome back, all you weirdos, Krokoans, and the Krokoa curious. Here we are to deliver your second Weird Dose of X. My name is Jason. I'm here again with our good friend Chris. Chris, how are you this fine, fine day? Hey, hey, how you doing, everybody? Um, well, I guess right off the bat, um, we're still trying to figure this stuff out. So, apologies for not putting out an episode last week. We had uh, some technical challenges. All, all my technical challenges. Uh, shortly, I thought just- I thought it was going to be that invasion of the plant people that uh, kind of kept us away from our microphones. Wasn't that it? You know, you know, uh, whenever
0: Horde that happens culture, sometimes.
1: you know. whenever Horde culture <laughs> shows up in one of my upcoming scripts, I, I find excuses not to uh, get behind the mic. But uh, this time, actually, my, uh, like, it was like a day or two after we dropped the first episode, my computer told me, no, you're done. The computer said, you're done here. We're not, we're not paying attention to you anymore. I'm not going to react to you. No. And if you look at me funny, I'm going to make a lot of noise. computer so, must be a DC fan. It might be. It might be. Or maybe it's a teeny Howard fan. I don't know. It doesn't want me oh, spreading there are, disinformation. There are there are some of those out there, I guess. Well, I mean, they are bought and paid for, I suppose. But it oh, was oh, uh, spicy takes already. Hey now, hey now. No, it was a it was a tough couple of weeks here, technically speaking. And uh, right now, uh, by the uh, by the grace of a uh, by the grace of God, and some uh, bubble gum and uh, toothpicks, paper clips, anything I could find to stick into this rig, it's a. Uh, uh, as far as I know, it's still working. Um, in, in an hour and change, when I listen to this back, we'll we'll see if it did or not. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, my new computer is sitting in a uh, warehouse. Uh, a short drive from my house, but it is Memorial Day. So uh, ain't nobody going to deliver it, and I can't go in there and break in and get it. So Yep, so we're going to try you know. to keep this up as a weekly basis, some might say very weekly, right up into and through that nice uh, crossover that's coming up. Mm-hmm. So, we did get some encouraging fir- feedback from our first show. So, Wonderful. thanks to everyone who sent that in. Uh, I also heard from more than one person that they sometimes had trouble telling the two of us apart, which I thought <laughs> was interesting. So, yeah. I came up with two methods that I think will help the listeners keep us straight. You can let me know if you agree. Mm-hmm. So, first, Chris is a, a longtime comic reader and collector, deep well of knowledge dating back to his own collecting days starting in the 90s and, and back before that, while conversely, I'm I'm basically a noob here. Anything that happened before Krakoa, I only know about because I kind of heard about it someplace. Mm-hmm. So if you hear any deep historical knowledge being dropped, that's almost certainly going to be Chris, <laughs> especially with uh, with marbles in their mouth. Uh, that is most definitely well, going to be me. Number two, Chris and I come from very different places. Chris grew up in New York, specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had Brooklyn, Staten Island, Long oh, Island. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so so. He has a little bit of a residual accent, you might say, that you would associate with someone that comes from those places. So Perfect. there's that. Meanwhile, I, however, grew up like a good 30, 40 miles west of there in North Jersey. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. everybody from North Jersey, that means I don't have an accent. So accent, Chris, no accent, Jason. That should you go. That should clear that right up. Okay. So today, what we hope to do is discuss as much as we can of the whole Dawn of X era. We did the Hawks pock stuff last week. Now we're talking about Dawn of X, that first large, big old chunk of books. And we're going to focus on those aspects of those books that still matter, right? There's a lot of stuff. We kind of wiggle this way, wiggle sure. that way. Things come and go. Maybe some ideas seemed like a good idea at the time. They got dropped. But we want to focus on those things that are still relevant to the books today and especially Anything that might be relevant to that fast approaching AXE Judgment Day crossover?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, last time we we touched on a lot of the we did touch on Dawn of X last time. A lot of the seminal mm-hmm. stuff, um, things like the Crucible, things we will probably touch on again and in the future because they are you know pretty uh, pretty big statements uh, in in as far as the language of superhero comics and uh, just this era. So uh, we will talk about. We're going to hit the ground running, to, uh, so to speak, here. Hoxpox is behind us. It happened. We talked about it. We'll be reflecting back, but uh, onward and upward and, and forward, I suppose, for, for today. Uh, we've got several waves of the Dawn of X here, to the point where I remember when, uh, when I was getting back in, I didn't realize that there were going to be subsequent waves of the Hox Pox-Hickman era. You know, we had Dawn of X hit, and a little bit of a uh, you know behind the curtain stuff here not for the show but for the actual you know publishing house the Hickman plan was allegedly to do these books in waves as basically a mission statement these books were going to run 10 maybe 12 issues then they were going to go away and mm-hmm. be replaced by other books that would come for another 10 to 12 issues and they would go away and maybe be replaced by whatever came before or more new stuff unfortunately this all launched in the summer of 2019, so just a few months later, the world stopped and uh, put some crimps on these plans. And also, we talked about this last time, the Hickman era was a victim of its own success, where Marvel's right. Like, no, 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 we're not going to stop well, I mean, that's what happens with any of these, these books. Something starts to catch on, and whether mm-hmm. it's multiverses or Krakoa or anything mm-hmm. else, if it starts to make a little bit of money... The companies say, "Yeah, we want to double, triple, quintuple down on that. Pull and up so the stool we got, and start milking." Yeah, yeah, we got a whole, you know, major company's worth of books coming out every week from from these precoil uh, places for a while. Oh, certainly, certainly, yeah, they are uh, they are everywhere, and uh, the the line even to this very day keeps growing, keeps growing, and well, as we get closer to it, we're gonna. Probably have some deductions about whether or not some of these books deserve to live deserve and to and Marvel there. especially seems to be kind of allergic to the idea of calling something a limited series even when they know it's going to be they say this here's here's a series the I, I think they're afraid that if they call something a limited series people think it's not important and stop buying it I don't know if that's true or not I don't, it's well, not I, true for me I think that's definitely a bit of it I think uh, it 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 gives a you know a subliminal message that either it's not important or it's going to be collected really, really quick. Uh you know, it's like I can I can spend the next four months buying this, or in four months' time, I can get it at half price at a DCBS or on Amazon and get the whole story in one go. Especially the way comics are written these days, where if you buy issue one of a miniseries, you ain't getting much. Mm-hmm. You might be getting a table setting, you might not even be getting that. And so you know, it's it's more uh, responsible for the consumer to wait. And unfortunately, we've been conditioned to, uh, to feel that way. So, uh, you know, it would have been very, very interesting had the Dawn of X launched with the you know, the mission statement as treaties where it's like, okay, this will be one year. You know, these, these six books, one year. Then they're done. Then you come back for the next books. That'll be out for a year. It would have been a very, very interesting experiment to see what the sales charts would have looked like in that sort of a world. You know, it's like, what does X-Men Volume 5 Issue 4 look like? It's just Chapter 4. It's not something you need to run out and buy. You can, you can wait for it. It's not going to matter. You know, you'll get the whole story somewhere down the line. Now, we talk about X-Men Volume 5, which is probably a really good place to start. Because... Sounds good. It is the uh, what you would figure uh, to be the flagship book. You would, wouldn't you? You would. And, would. I mean, we've had... Discussions before about. I always wonder what would someone get if they only read X Men. Would uh, it be coherent? Discussion. Would it make sense? Mm-hmm. And I kind of read back through it, and I think it's certainly not one continuous story like most of the other books. Your Marauders, your X Force, whatever. You can kind of read it as here's a story with an it's arc. Linear, so yeah, right. Where X Men Volume Five is just like peeks into different parts of the Krakoa universe. It's true. And it was actually, I mean, I mentioned this last time out, uh, that was going to be the only book I was going to follow. It was the book I picked up first. I didn't pick up Hoxbox. I picked up X-Men number one thinking, why would I, yeah, you know, hey, there's my jumping on point. I, I sent out a, a tweet, you know, um, folks who have uh, who've watched the show The Office when, uh, when Michael Scott broke up with his girlfriend and was going to get back into the dating game. He says, I'm ready to have my heart broken again. <laughs> and I sent out a tweet it, with a picture of uh, volume five, number one. I'm ready to have my heart broken again. And uh, I didn't have my heart broken. I just had my mind. I can't even say mind blown because that evokes a different sort of sensation. It was just like a, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, you know, to quote a a certain theme song, how did we get here? You know, what? where did this come from? And, uh, you know, the further you get into the alleged flagship book. You don't get much. No, there's, there, I think there's two major sudden changes that happened between Hox Pox and Dawn of X. Well, I and mean, there's a lot of change, but, but two so, things unexpectedly changed. Mm-hmm. Number one is Hoxpox had a ton of Moira stuff. I mean, it really was sure. a Moira story. She was the driving force She's in making this home. era different. Yeah. So I come into, you know, X Men Volume One, this whole Dawn of X thing, okay, what is Moira up to? She's hidden away in this. No place somewhere in mm-hmm. Krakoa. She's certainly going to be pulling all the strings. What is she going to do? And we don't see her for a long, the long time. The answer is nothing. <laughs> I mean, she's doing stuff, I guess. She's hanging out, playing her Xbox, but mm-hmm. she, uh, we don't see her. I think the first time we actually might see her is just like a couple panels in X of Swords beginning. is that sound I want right? to say so. I want to say so. Yeah. There, there, was, there was no... There was no more at all. Um, Not even mentions of her, really. You know, like, not even like... Because there were plenty of Xavier Magneto scenes. They didn't say, hey, you know, that third person. <laughs> she's <laughs> somewhere. Oh, she's busy. She's in Paris. She's doing something. She's mixing beakers somewhere. But no. No, I mean, if you did as I did and bought number one, X-Men number one, and just went from there, you you might not even know that, that there was any sort of... uh. Mora Straws during the Kricoan drink. Mm-hmm. It's it was just very, very she was just out of sight, out of mind. And the second major change, which I guess I probably noticed subliminally at first, but it wasn't mm-hmm. really lampshade until much later, is that in all of this new X-Men volume, there is no X-Men team. Yes. We have mutants all over the place. So we're lousy we're wearing, with mutants. Yeah, we, we have, we have got people wearing no X's X-Men. on their costumes. We have peop we have uh, we have mutants acting as superheroes, but not technically as a team of x-men which well, not until again after uh, x of swords x of swords and that's and i remember reading the issue where they you know like hey we have no x-men it's like the hell we don't you know <laughs> we, we we had it we had empire times specifically where, where they sent them yeah it's like that, that how do you, huh? <laughs> and, <laughs> and it made the whole thing feel like the revelation wasn't earned because no. it wasn't written because like you know a lot of people compare the hickman it's run like to the someone morrison. noticed a bunch of months and hey i guess we haven't had an actual team of x-men let's but make that have. a plot point but the, the, it's yeah, like, you know, like when you look when you look at the morrison run which the hickman run gets compared to sure the morrison run one of the strengths of it is you read it once you find out everything that you're going to find out all of the reveals all the revelations mm-hmm. then you read it again and you get a totally different experience because everything makes sense Everything builds ah. to these reveals and it's like, and you're kicking yourself. You're sitting there like, how did I not notice this? Because it's so obvious and it's so well done. Now, if you like, were to read the first- like Bruce year Willis, that, the whole time he was, you know, that thing. Spoiler alert. Right. Now, if, uh, if you read the, the entire first year of volume, X-Men volume five with this newfound knowledge that there was no X-Men team, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't open your eyes to anything. No, it doesn't not really- matter. It's like, oh, okay, well, this this wasn't an X Men book anyway. At the end of the day, if they actually said up front somewhere in you know X Men number one, number two, mm-hmm. we don't have a team of X Men right now. We're not the X Men are will be our like our ambassadors to the our superhero team superhero sent out fans. to humans, yeah. and we don't have no. that right now. Yeah, like they didn't, it would Avengers have been better if they call for it. help and yeah, if the Avengers call for help and the X-Men just don't get involved, and then we question right. Hey, why they, didn't they get involved? They, they call for the X-Men and, and uh you know, Charles says, uh, sorry, uh no X-Men here. You have the wrong number. <laughs> yes. No Abla, sorry. But uh <laughs> but instead, you know, when, when Empire happens, a, a bunch of people with X's on their costumes do stuff. You know, it's it it, it it's kinda like wanting to, you know, eat the cake, have it too, where hmm. the reveal Right, they wanted what? to make it a super big deal about the X Men are back when we didn't yeah. know where to miss them. Exactly, it's like how can we miss you if you're not off the page? And uh, yeah, so very very odd revelation. Um, mm-hmm. I guess you know we take it as we as we get it because well we follow what well, we do what we're told as a, as comic book enthusiasts. So yes, that is a change. That is a change from X books of the past. We technically speaking had no assembled X Men team. We didn't know it, but it was true. <laughs> it was the way it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think a, a big thing that was set up in this new volume of X Men is this uh, Krakoa Arako Okaro situation. That mm-hmm. overla- I was surprised when I went back to see just how early it came up. Because right there. Hocks, hocks. In Hoxpox they mentioned mm-hmm. it, and in my mind, it didn't really come back up again until right before X of Swords. But but no, in issue two Ooh. of X Men, mm-hmm. that's when this, yeah. this tiny little island shows up, and it's uh, it's almost like a reverse amoeba, where an amoeba can like bud off a new one of itself. Where this little island popped up, and then kind of Attractive. sensuously yeah. merges back in <laughs> with Krakoa, uh, mm-hmm. and. That's a whole thing where all the mutants notice. Hey, what's going on? Hey, we hear comes some kind of, you know, um, bass guitar riff, a and silent, it's suddenly a very song. Yeah, <laughs> somebody's put out <up> some incense, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So that was uh, that coming back already, and that's where mm-hmm. the uh, that creepy summoner showed up. So yes. clearly, the 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 ten of swords, X of tens thing. That was the plan right from the very beginning. Yes. Yes. Uh, As, as whether or not that was a worth a story worth uh, pursuing is, I Mm -hmm. guess, something we will discuss another time. But um, yeah, that was definitely part of the plan here. Um, The entire thing. This was another one of those shoe drop moments from, uh, I said, we're not going to talk much about Hoxpox, but here we are. That was one of the shoe drop moments from Hoxpox that we neglected to mention last time was this whole mutant, you know, millennia old mutant island, which what, what, what was it? Okara was, yeah, was, was the Okara, was the island. It's the same letters rearranged because that's yeah. a thing Hickman thinks is clever. That's a Hickman thing. Yeah. And right. So Okaro, starting with an O, was the entire island. Was the all-inclusive, yeah. It, yes. And that was like the, your Garden of Eden, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's where Apocalypse was and his children and oh, his wife, wife yeah. Genesis, mm-hmm. and all these other... I think they call it the first generation or the first world of mutants. I believe so, so I guess Apocalypse was sometime thought to be the first mutant, but this retcons that and says, no, he was the first of the second generation with yeah. all these other mutants there. And they're living on what we think of as Krakoa. The main whole island. Would be Okara. Mm-hmm. And what happened was they're invaded by these Amenthi, Amenthi. demons.
0: Yeah. A these other opens.
1: demons who are connected with other world. And that whole geography never still doesn't make sense to me so much. Right. But these other demons come up from some sort of a portal and there's a big old fight, and the upshot of it is that a lot of those mutants end up going back through this crevice, through this portal, taking the demons with them, and getting stuck in a yeah. menth. And they use the sword to cut, off, to cut the island in half. Half the island stays here in our world, half of this island goes back through to this hellish dimension and mm-hmm. gets stuck there. Yeah, and that that uh that portion included Apocalypse's children and and Genesis went through. He wound up well. It, he went with them at first, right? He stayed behind because Genesis says he has said he wasn't strong enough. That's to come right. With he wasn't him. he wasn't going to make it. Yes. So <laughs> that was that's the birth of well one of the many mm-hmm. births of Krakoa. <laughs> it, it's weird. <laughs> like right before um, Hoxpox, there was a uh, a one shot. It was a, a journey into mystery, the birth of oh, Krakoa. Yes, I remember which that. Which was one. a Nick Fury story, of all things, where they were giving Krakoa an origin. And then just a little while later, they, they do this one yeah, too. Originally, it was just the island that walks like a man. It was just okay. like this one kind of you know crazy thing that somewhere happened in the world, but now it's, it's it was so linked to the to mutants in general. Certainly. It was like Bronze Age high concept, which, you know, we didn't really have high concept back then in the same way as we do now. So this was like the big shock. Uh, too bad it happened in Giant Size Number 1, which if anybody's read that story, you'll know how bad it is. I'll still maintain it. That. That's not a great issue. It's more of a, a landmark it's important than it's important. a classic. Yes, yes it's, it's it's important, but it's not good. <laughs> it really isn't. But... um. Yeah, that's that's Arako. That's, Aminth, that's uh Well, Arako is the other half of the island, we should mention here. Krakoa, Arako, those are the halves of the island. Uh, we have uh, Okara is the combined island. Aminth is the other, other worldly portal. Yes. So this is the Hickman way to introduce things. Here's a bunch of cool-sounding words that you don't <laughs> know, you don't care about. You're not going to be able to tell them apart, but here they are. And we're told the story... Multiple times from different points of view with different levels of honesty and subterfuge. Yeah, we have a lot of unreliable narrator in there. But this is another one of those things where it doesn't read that way. It reads as though they're just changing their mind. They're yes. making things convenient. For the story <laughs> it's it's they hard want to, to tell in, in current comics when they're being clever and when yeah. they're just making a mistake. When they sometimes you the can't tell. <laughs> oh, was that a clue or was that just an editor who who dropped the ball for a moment? <laughs> well, why is Thunderbird wearing red shoes, damn it! <laughs> oh. <laughs> but yeah, this is what this was the genesis of this run here. And um one of the things I mentioned many, many times during my reading of volume five was that it felt like X-Men Unlimited. Now Current-year fans, current-year readers will know that there is an X-Men Unlimited right now. It's on the Marvel Unlimited app. Every week they put out a really bad chapter of some X-Men story. Yeah, it's, they're trying to get into that continuous vertical scrolling thing that's so popular for phones, especially in Asia. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And uh, what X-Men Unlimited was to you know a seasoned fan, someone who's been around for a while, people of my vintage and older probably, X-Men Unlimited was these... Odd little vignettes, you know, originally it started as a way to fill the fifth week. Now the fifth week, uh, Reggie and I have an episode of Weird Comics History all about the fifth week. It, it, the quick and dirty of it is comics are, are put out four times a month. That's the plan usually. So every book has their week in the month, at least when things are you know going the right way, which they haven't in quite a while. So you have four weeks out of the month, but some months of the year have five weeks. What do you do with that fifth week? People still go to the store because it's a habit. Sure, but there's no book there. It's that whole mismatch of the weeks to months. It's like those those great months when you get three paychecks because exactly. that's the way the, the periods fall. That's that's the same works. kind of thing. That's how it works. So instead of people going to the shop and not having any new books on the counter, well, Marvel and DC found ways to fill the fifth week. Now, with in the in the mid '90s, it was X Men Unlimited, Spider Man Unlimited. The unlimited books—they were oversized, overpriced as hell. Oh, what well, they filled the fifth week, and they were the only thing you'd buy that week because it was the only thing they were offering. Huh. Okay, I didn't know so that. I yeah. I think of that as an annuals week, but uh... annuals as well. That that's been like the DC way for quite a while, where they'll put they'll throw like the you know the five dollar flash annual that you didn't need in the fifth week. So you have that. So Marvel puts these books out. They are. Were those speaking, one-shot kind of books, or was there a continuing theme to them at all? Well, the thing of it was, the of it was is they tried to make it where, for the longest time, you know, we had, the, we had the two flagship books. We had Uncanny X-Men, and we had X-Men Volume 2. Those were the books that, if you bought nothing else, you bought those books. X-Men Unlimited okay. became kind of like the unofficial third flagship. So four times, five times a year, you would pick up X-Men Unlimited, and it would continue the story, kind of. Ah, okay. Like, it wouldn't be a necessary story. Like, if you didn't buy it, you wouldn't miss much. But if you bought it, you would, your experience would be. It was tying into the the previous one you bought the previous month. Exactly. So, like, the first issue, the first issue of X Men Unlimited brought Magneto back for the first time since Chris Claremont left. Claremont left, they had. uh, Okay, that sounds big. Yeah, he was, uh, he was, Asteroid M was, you know, it looked like it was destroyed. He was gone. He was dead, yada, yada, yada. X Men Unlimited number one, Magneto's back. You know, he is here and uh, we're ready to go right into Fatal Attractions where Wolverine has his adamantium sucked out and all this crazy stuff happens. That happened in X-Men Unlimited number one. Now, it was important. You know, you didn't need it. You know, I didn't buy it when I was a kid because it was like $5 back in the, uh, you know, in 1992. That's big money. Yeah. Of course. Of course. It's big money now, much less, you know, 25, 30 years ago. So you didn't need it, but it added to the experience if you had it. And that is how X-Men volume five has been. It's like, if you get these little, because from that story, the Magneto story, you would just get filler. You know, it's like, well, we got 60 pages to fill. What do we put in there? Oh. Well, we're not, we're not ready to move forward yeah. with everything. So we need 60 uh, pages get- to say, Hey, the big guy's back. Exactly. It's like, let's, uh, let's throw a Psylocke story in there. What's she doing? Who cares? It's, it's got an X on the cover. People are going to buy it. Okay. What about what about next month? Ah, let's throw a Dazzler story in there. Well, we haven't seen her in the comics in years. Who cares? Put it in there anyway. And it became just like a, a running joke among X fans that this is the $5 book that has absolutely no reason to exist. But hmm. we're all addicted, so we buy it anyway. <laughs> That's what Volume 5 turned into for me. It was just like, I, I mean, uh, the first issue was a very, very good issue once I got the context for it. Right. It was. It was. That's very when much- we find out one of the main groups of enemies for the X Men, and and as you've pointed out over on X Labs, and everyone should go check that out if you want to hear about every book that's been published in this series one by one. But what happened in issue one is we go back to the Orcus people, who were mm-hmm. the people building that crazy satellite, the Mother Mold, the mother mold satellite, which was Saul's hammer anvil. I forget Something which. Like that, the big yeah. place where they're building the nasty sentinels that are gonna kill everybody. The, the big sentinel head in the uh, in the right, desk. that place. So we we go back and see those guys are still around, although you know, we we ruined their first plan up back in Hoxpox. Uh we see there's some post humans around, we see that these scientists are still after us, mm-hmm. and we see that this orcus scientist lady, I forget her name, but Gregor. she Say that again. Alia Gregor, I believe. Alia Gregor, yes, yeah. yes. Her husband died Trying to repel the mutant attack on the mother mold, Mm -hmm. and she wants to both get revenge for that and to bring him back. Certainly, certainly, yeah. That's uh, and this will all tie into the Nimrod stuff that will I'm sure we'll we'll get into as we as we move our way forward here. Uh, one of the things that jumped out at me in reading that first one was uh, (laughs) well, I mean, a few things jumped out at me the the certain like random lol like retweet these panel things. That uh, are so prevalent in current year comics. Like, sure. here's some intelligent apes, and they're t- they're having intelligent conversations. Isn't that funny? Not really. <laughs> it's not it's really, really that funny. There's a but okay. fine line between here's some texture to the world, and mm. here's a joke that will never come back again, and won't really make sense <laughs> if you think about it. It's true. It's, it's true. And we also had the uh, the children of the vault. They showed up as part of this year as. They will play into a lot of the uh a lot of the, the Mora stuff later on in that, you know, they uh the children of the vault are they're a very weird thing. It's like, are they mutant? Are they post-human? Are they neither? Are they both? Right. It's it's we're, very weird those were a thing before Krakoa, yes. right? They they first showed up in Mike Carey's uh X-Men uh, during oh. the supernova storyline a very very underrated run a very interesting run a very odd team of hmm. x-men i think like the team was like rogue mystique sabretooth cable cannonball weird weird team huh. i've read some of his like like modern urban fantasy novels i don't know that i've read much of his comics his x-men was uh, very very good he he became like the guy who would like dig into dangling plot threads and try to clear them up. Uh in fact, you know, they changed X-Men Volume 2, they they retitled it into X-Men Legacy, which uh maintained the numbering of X-Men Volume 2 with like probably issue like 209ish or something like wow, that. Okay. So he came on and he started doing these um not so much solo stories but still kind of solo stories like he would do an arc focusing on Magneto, he would do an arc focusing on Rogue, uh Professor X, Legion, he did a lot of really – he did a lot of the unglamorous stuff that adds to the experience uh, of an X-Fan, you know, where you find out that some things do pay off. You do. You find out that some things don't pay off. He really did the the heavy lifting and, like I said, yeah. the unglamorous good, work. Good for don't him. Somebody to needs to do that stuff. once in a while.
0: Clean yeah, away some know, of the
1: underbrush. True. It's true. It's very, very true. But that's where the children of the vault first appeared in. Even back then, I didn't quite understand them. I didn't quite get there. Yeah, the the basic idea is there's this place where who who started this? Whose idea was it? Who kicked it off? You know, I don't remember. So, (laughs) I I don't know either. I don't think it necessarily matters, but there's this This place, this kind of Mm -hmm. enclosed... It's not a building exactly. It's like like a world... It's a vault. It's a vault. Okay, great. Vault, it's one of those (laughs) bigger on the inside kind of things. Certainly, certainly. And another thing that happens... Yeah, it's like Narnia. Time travels different Mm -hmm. there, much faster. And that there's all these multiple generations of of evolving, but evolving with purpose, not just randomly. Human evolution to try to get better. That's where the post-humans come from. They're not mutants... But a lot of them have particular powers that sort of, you know, to Minibus. somebody like me, seem yeah. a whole heck of a lot like mutants. Yeah. But like they're Fango in more. Ego is the higher one. Yeah, it's, right. It's they're like generation mutant-ish. of the same thing. Like it's trying to take the mm-hmm. same power set and kind of make it a little better, a little Improve better, a, a little better. So it's the same thing over and over again. Yeah, it's kind of like, I think they compare it to like an oven. Like you you keep putting it back in the oven so it gets, you know, it gets better cooked. Okay, you right. Know, it's, it gets right, more Like time. if you're you're trying to come up with an award-winning recipe, you, you bake it over and over again, you, you change your recipe a little bit each time. Exactly, exactly. And then you find the one that works, hopefully. Or I guess in this case, not hopefully. You don't want these people to be too right. powerful. But uh, yeah, the, the vault is something we'll be talking about in a little bit here. But that's where... It was weird because the vault is such a nebulous concept and it feels like on the surface, it feels so un-X-Many, but when I saw it, it was one of the very few things that were familiar to me. Okay. So, it feels almost like a Jack Kirby-ish kind of thing. It in does. A way. It feels like a, a weird, like, Omac Mac, fourth world-y sort of There, Right. One sure. of those huge, big cosmic concept kind of clumsily grafted onto the existing universe. More. Yeah. Right. Again, like, like the Eternals, which I think we'll be doing a whole bunch of in future oh, okay. episodes, where where Let's they don't do really kind of fit, but you, they were a cool idea, so we whack them in anyway. <laughs> and yeah. I guess for X-Men, uh, a common theme for this whole era is that all of the really good X-Men villains from the past, your Magneto, your Annihilation, your everybody, is now, at least in theory, on the same side. Yeah. So- uh, you can see the writers kind of looking around, saying, "We got to have a villain somewhere. We got to have some. Where do we get them? Right. Yeah. Where do we get them from? So, okay, children of the vault. They're not mutants. They don't. They're not on our side. They're at the enemy. Kind of groups of uh, scientists. Groups of kind of random Russians. Ru- Russians. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that that's one group. It's it's safe to hate these days, which <laughs> know, the I can understand why. I'm not saying not to hate them, but I'm saying it's it feels almost too easy." To, that's who we can pick on well yeah i mean comics are not usually known as being you know the bastions of uh of creativity and subtlety right <laughs> so that's i think that's another reason that the children of the vault are here. just to have we, we need some opposition and and as luck would have it they do fall neatly into that post-human column so they do serve multiple masters yeah it, it fits in with the themes of powers of x certainly certainly Okay. So they will so, they will show up again. We'll get mm-hmm. to that though. Um So that's issue one. Issue two was the appearance top, of yeah. the mini piece of um uh, gonna of Araco that's merges Arako. back in with Krakoa mm-hmm. and the seeds of the X of tens. Issue mm-hmm. three is your favorite group oh. of enemies, uh horticulture. <sighs> Who are these I, and I admit there's there's a, a divergence of the fan base in this. Some people hate horticulture. Some of mm-hmm. us kind of guilty pleasure like it. I kind of mm-hmm. think they're funny. There are these four old ladies, very golden girls, yes. very look at us. Old lady swearing is always funny. It just is. <laughs> and uh, they're like rogue biologists, rogue horticulturalists mm-hmm. who are this other – They kind of show up. They kind of hack their way through the gates. Humans aren't supposed to be able to go through the gates, but they know all about the plants and Krakoa's plants, so they can do that. And they're kind of going through and like stealing parts of some of these magic flowers. And they just kind of show up there. There's no real resolution. They kind of show up, say some funny stuff, and disappear again. And they pop up again once in a while. They show up in Empire because those are plants. They show up like uh, consulting for Orcus when Orcus wants some help. With the gates. That's right. Yeah, I think they showed up recently too. I just haven't read the issue that they showed up in, but it, it, it always reminded me of like, like, uh, I think I compared it to this on the show where it's like, a, on America's Funniest Home Videos. Remember that show? Oh, sure. Bob Saget. Like, yeah. It's like, they would have like the rapping grandmother would like win. And then like the week <laughs> later, like everybody sent in like a rapping grandmother. It's like, this isn't, this wasn't funny the first time. Dude, what are we doing here? Stop. Stop sending in the rapping granny. It ain't funny. <laughs> so that's what horticulture was to me. It's like, okay, they said something funny. And that's like, you ever make the mistake of laughing at a kid's joke? Oh, yeah. Like a kid makes yeah. a joke and you laugh at it. So then the rest of the day, they're making the same damn joke. And you're, you're, you're expected to laugh at it just as much. But it's like, okay, kid, we got it. We got it. We, okay. we gave you the laugh the first time. So Change horticulture is still theoretically around. Are they yeah. going to become important again? Probably not. They kind of be – they're kind of on the side anytime they want to bring in comic relief yeah. or some kind of plant help, right? We need somebody to work yeah. on plants against the mutants. Call in a horticulture. Not much I will hand them because they actually have established them as having an expertise in it and they make sense to show up when they show up. It's just yeah. that they annoy they them They don't feel like they have a real – big plan end game for them, but they're just kind of hanging around on the fringes. They're just mischief makers. Yeah, yeah. They're just doing their thing. Which so is that, fine. that's fine. So that's, that's fine. issue three. Issue mm-hmm. four is we get things our get first global. look yeah. at how the mutants are interacting on the diplomatic scene. They mm-hmm. go to Davos, which is, you know, a, a place where people, actual politicians ambassadors go to chat about things. Sure. And we see how the uneasy will be polite – but we don't really want to be polite, and they try to humans trying to force things on the mutants. And yeah. the big takeaway is mutants aren't taking that anymore. No, no, do they have friends, the power. We're not gonna, we're not gonna kill you. We're not yeah. friends. Though. No, <laughs> <laughs> we, they're they saying we have the power. We could be really, we could do bad things to you. We're not going to. So don't make us. I think yeah. is the don't force our hand. Right, yeah. and no, it's it's a fun, it's a a fun little story in that it's. It kind of sets up this status quo about how this island is existing in the wider world. Absolutely, and this is the sort of thing I feel like it's such a missed opportunity because this is the kind of stuff that I, I you know, I don't want every issue to be, you know, global, you know, diplomacy and, and politics. But a big part of this era is the fact that the th- things have changed, right? The dynamic is different now, but we don't see it very often. You know, not that we need to see it all the time, but this was a reminder that it is, in fact, a whole new playing ground, Mm -hmm. a whole new playing field. And I feel like that may have warranted further exploration. It's just we didn't get it. I understand why, because how many times can you – how can you write it without changing it? You know, how can you revisit the same thing without making changes when you're not – might not be ready to make those changes. Mm -hmm. It feels like there's different – you know, obviously, there's a lot of cooks making this soup. Some absolutely. of the cooks are interested in the interaction of Krakoa with the rest of not just the world, but like the specific the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. And some cooks are just not interested. So we no, get they a just lot want to of play in Russia, right? Here's a thing, and then another one is going to take it back. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, from here, uh, we go right back to our uh, right back to the vault. This is a this is a story that I think they forgot about because uh, yep, this is issue five. Yeah, this is issue five where we send uh, Sync, uh, X twenty three. Who? Let's talk X twenty three for just a second here. Let's jump around because uh, she, X23, has, she has a few name X twenty three. Yes, yeah, she had been starring or being. She was featured in Fallen Angels. Yes. She was big in it was a Tom Taylor book that she, she he was no, writing that for Ryan. Oh oh yeah that was, Tom Taylor did Tom all Taylor be, before yeah he, did, be, yeah, he was, he was one who made her like range. a big character before Hoxpox. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. She she was created by, I believe, uh Christopher Yost, I wanna okay. say. Um and she first appeared in one of the cartoons. Oh. And she oh, made, made her first comic appearance in when Joe Quesada took over, uh, Joe Quesada and uh, Bill Jemis, uh, they had this idea for a New York-based X-Men book. I mean, all the damn books in Marvel are based out of New York, <laughs> so I don't know why this was I mean, was so they novel. were upstate New York for a long time, but I guess back, right? back downstate. It's a whole different yeah, world. Yeah, this was going to be the city here, and it was uh, a book called NYX, which was like basically Ooh. Mutant Street Kids, you know, and – I can't remember the name of the artist, but he was phenomenally talented here. It was like a, it wasn't quite manga. It wasn't quite watercolor, but it was both of those things. It was like, huh, gorgeous, gorgeous work. If anybody wants to track that stuff down, I would recommend checking it down. Checking what was that author's name look. again? The, the author? I believe the the writer. A, the writer, I believe, was Joe Casada. Oh, the writer was Joe Cassada, Okay. I think so. I could be wrong. Joshua Middleton might be the artist. Might be hmm. Joshua Middleton. But um, it was a, a featuring a, a character named Kaiden something or another, and uh, it was very um of its age. I think like the co- the first issue cover had like this girl who kind of looked like Boom Boom, but not really Boom Boom in the eighties. Uh, but uh, she had like okay. a pacifier in her yeah. mouth, N- and it was very N.Y.X. kids. Yeah, a limited edition seven issues published between two thousand three and two thousand five by Joe Q and Joshua Middleton on the first four issues gotcha. and Rob Taranishi on the last three issues gotcha yeah so it's it took for homeless to come out. teenage mutants there you go and uh, x23 first appeared in one of the the only issue of that series that's worth a damn uh, <laughs> you know financially speaking. gotcha so she was she's been around uh Chris Claremont did some stuff with her here he put her in the fang costume uh, folks who are longtime x-men fans will know that Wolverine Logan wore the Fang costume for a little while with the the whole Shi'ar stuff. Uh, there was even an action figure of Wolverine and Miss Fang costume of there because is. why the hell not? Um, she was a uh, she was compared a lot to uh, Cassandra Cain Batgirl uh, from Post uh, No Man's Land, the Batgirl who couldn't speak. She had no like verbalization. She was just trained to be violent, basically right. by. Lady Shiva or whoever the hell it's right, 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 right. Oh, she has what's her name now? Is she she Orphan now? I think she's Orphan now. Yeah. So I get, a, I get mixed up in the different various baskets. there's so, so damn many of them. Yeah. Yes. So that was what X twenty three was compared to a lot back in the day. Um Wolverine dies during the death of Wolverine. She takes the Wolverine name. Then, you know, she gets her all new Wolverine series. That's a Tom Taylor series you were talking mm-hmm. about.
0: We Which you don't, you don't like bed. having
1: the same character with multiple names. That's confusing. But right. at least at the time, the other main Wolverine, he was we off the board. So yeah, we, ha- we had old man Logan, but he was not Wolverine. He was just Logan. Sure. You know? So it worked. It worked. So fallen uh-huh. angel happens, and – uh Quan'an, the other Psylocke, I guess the current Psylocke, the, you know, the Asian Psylocke, uh, the one that invaded the other body and the body. We had body swap issues. We'll we'll get there. But um, X-23 joins up with that and she disavows the Wolverine name. She says, I don't want to be Wolverine anymore. I want to be my own person. I'm not wearing this Wolverine costume anymore. That was a major point of Fallen Angels. Then it was was her asserting her own identity. It's true. And then while Fallen Angels is still being published, issue 5 of X-Men comes out. She's calling herself Wolverine again. She's wearing the and, Wolverine costume. And Logan's calling her Wolverine and, and kind of yeah. endorsing, I endorse you being Wolverine. Yes. Yeah, and it's and like her being happy about that. Yeah, so it's like didn't didn't we just read four issues of her saying I'm not Wolverine anymore? Like, again those multiple cooks and yeah, editors maybe not trying to emphasize because it became almost like it became an, a, a meta thing where the mm-hmm. bad people online don't want there to be a girl Wolverine. So, therefore, we have to lean into girl it's, Wolverine as yeah. hard as possible. Otherwise, they win. It's Which doesn't make easy. for great storytelling. No, it doesn't make for great storytelling. It's not organic. And it's, uh, well, it's very current year Marvel, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and it? I mean, it's just not a good storytelling idea to have two characters going by the same name. It's just no. It just isn't. No, I. I and go and Logan, if, as Logan is yeah. around, he's always going to be Wolverine. Yeah. If you he's say Wolverine to a about. comic book reader, we're all going to think of Logan. Of course, of course. And I mean, it's not like they haven't tried giving Laura uh, several different names. She right. was, she was Fang. She was Talon. She was X twenty three. I mean, th- th- there are no shortage of uh, of spiky claw names. Yeah. I mean, and in Logan, Wolverine is one of the, I mean, Marvel's top five characters ever, probably. Top three. So, so, top sure. three, yeah. You yeah. got your Spider-Man, maybe your Wolverine, you're Captain, America, I don't know, Captain America. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, Iron Man now is big, but he wasn't that big in comics for him. But yeah, so one of the no. top, top comics. So sure, he's going to be the one the name sticks to. Absolutely. So in this story, uh, if we... <laughs> if i If I get off my tangent here, which uh when you roll with me, you're gonna hit tangents it's just a that's a sign on my forehead that's what um, people tune it in for this is true, hopefully hopefully um let us know in the comments but um they go into the vault to suss out these post humans and and we'll get back to them probably next time because they disappear they're gone off the board for over a year publication time yeah it's it's they're very gone. Very, you know, Wizard of Oz, Dorothy, Scarecrow, and Tin Man head into here, and we see that something kind of goes wrong, and the idea is they're they're cut off from the rest of all the rest of the mutants in Krakoa. They're just Mm -hmm. in there somewhere. And with the idea that time is going so fast in there, we have no idea what they're experiencing. And they were chosen because it was thought that they were best able to deal with this crazy world. Yeah, because it was Darwin who was a part of the Deadly Genesis uh, run, which... uh, Maybe we'll touch on Deadly Genesis later, but um, the idea is that giant size X Men, the team, the international X Men, the team with Wolverine, Storm, and yada, 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 that wasn't the real second team. There was a team between the original five and the international team. It was Mora's students, uh, it was uh, Vulcan, who was Cyclops's brother, Darwin, Petra, and Sway. Oh, they all some, went to Some of those names are very, very relevant to those people reading the current comic comics. Absolutely. So they were sent to Krakoa to rescue the original five plus Havoc and Polaris, and they died. You know, they died before uh, Xavier put together the international team. So they were gone. So Darwin was one of them. He turns out he didn't die because, hey, he's an interesting character. Let's bring him back. As his name might suggest, he has evolutionary powers. Here, he's able to adapt to whatever situation he's in. So, in the vault, no matter what happens, they're confident that he can maybe survive it. Whether or not he does, well, we'll talk about that makes, another time. Makes sense, right? Certainly, you would you would actually choose him if you were Professor X picking a team for this? Absolutely, absolutely. So then you have Laura, who she's got the healing factor, decelerated aging. Sync is able to copy uh, mutant powers in the vicinity, so. Stands to reason that he'd be able to maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. lurp some of that stuff in. And I think this is also the issue where we find out that he's more advanced now. It used to only be mutant powers he could copy. Now it's like any Any powers, powers, whether it's Mm -hmm. post-humans or mutants or, I don't know, demons, anything. I don't know what the limits are, but he's less limited than he used to be. Which turns out to be very handy in the vaults yeah like if you, if you you know if he's around a piano and there's a grand pianist nearby, maybe he can <laughs> he can you know tickle the ivories a bit it's it's an interesting it's a convenient power, but it works for this situation so they go in there and the whole thing is they need to get answers right they're in there to get answers and get out. doesn't matter how many of them get out as long as one of them does so then Xavier could be there ready to you know download those memories and have them on file you know so they go in it's a fact finding mission. What do they call it? A smash and grab, I think they call it. They go in, they right. get the information, they get out. Xavier can get that information, upload it into uh, the cerebro, yada yada, and they have it. And then you know we'll talk more about that uh, on the other end. But an interesting story. It was one of the few issues of this volume that I was looking forward to seeing pay off. Unfortunately, we'd have to wait like a year and a half for them to even mm-hmm. mention it again. So, so, so that's that was issue that. five. Issue six is. One of, the, one of the very best issues mm-hmm. of all things A here, hero. because here's where we find yeah. out about Mystique. So last we saw Mystique was in uh, House of X, where they again did that, that very important raid on the mutant Damage mold control. factory, yep. mother mutant mother mold factory there in space. Yes. And we had these mutants go in, and they're supposed to release the four ka-chunk, ka-chunk, chunk ka-chunk levers to make the head fall into the sun- and we see that she took a little detour, and it was not at all explained why. It was not explored at all. No. Yeah. And in this issue, we find out what happened there. So, so Chris, remind me, what, what actually happened on that space station? She went in to plant a gateway. She went in to plant a Cricone gateway. It was, it was you know just a way to get them to be able to go back and forth. And uh, in so doing, she was discovered, and she was... You know, ultimately killed just like everybody else on the rig, right? Day. She actually failed in her mission to remove that one lock. There were four locks, yes. and she was sent out into space before she could do that. She so was so that me. meant that was the whole thing where I guess Logan had to sacrifice himself and uh, Nightcrow had to was, sacrifice yeah. himself. And this was, you know, back before we knew about resurrection. So this was a huge moment. So even to give someone any other mission on something so so serious as hey we got to kill this mother mold that was a real big deal so mm-hmm. why why was it that important that we plant this this gateway seed because remember Krakoan plants one of them is a gateway you have two plants linked together and as long as they're both linked together you can go in a gate in one or pop out it, yeah. of the other it's like like the two sides of the screen in Pac Man. yeah yeah absolutely it's a, it's a it's a nice little portal system they at can. least if you're a mutant Sure, sure. Not or, or, or have the special approval. So, yeah, she was going to do that. Um, and she, she you know, she was able to do that. She was able to plant that seed, which would, you know, give them access to Orcus at any point that they might want to. And she did this mm-hmm. because, you know, Xavier and Magneto dangled that carrot. Right. You know, and it's, it's, it's very convenient it. that on this satellite there's this huge greenhouse Large area <laughs> with tons of crazy plants. And who's going to notice one more crazy Krakoan exactly. Gateway plant? yeah like you're picking potato like mutant potatoes and uh' what's it's like in your backyard everywhere. oh I don't remember planting crocuses a crocus comes up hey that's nice why not yeah, it must have just blown in on the wind <laughs> sure. so uh so she plants this thing uh all in the name of getting a favor done for her here she's going to do what she has to do to get uh, to get destiny to come back now destiny's been dead for a very long time at this point she was killed by um uh, Xavier's son Legion Way back in, oh. boy, uh, X-Men 200. By and, Legion. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they were tied together um, pretty, uh, pretty strongly there for a bit. Because even as we were marching toward the Age of Apocalypse, I don't know if you're familiar with the Age of Apocalypse, the original. In general. Okay, the idea so- that there was this extra different like timeline created and then uncreated. Yes so the gimmick was that Legion he, you know he's got multiple personalities he is not you know the he's not the most stable fella. Mm-hmm. Now he wanted to do right by his father Professor X and his idea was I'm going to go back in time and I'm going to kill Magneto. Therefore Magneto won't be a problem anymore. Xavier's dream can move on you know undeterred. Perfect world utopia the dream comes true. Makes sense. What Legion didn't expect to happen was um when he tries to kill magneto his uh his father jumps in front and is killed himself oh okay so, i didn't know that yeah so rather than it being a world without magneto it was a world without a at which time apocalypse rises to power takes over the world breaks things up into like prison camps mutants are being hunted down even though you know they are you know being represented by the main mutant you know it was a very interesting, interesting story. And in the lead up to that, uh, David, Legion, starts having visions of destiny. And he starts having very interesting chats with dead destiny. So uh, she was killed a long time ago, is what I'm trying to say. And she is one of the very few characters who has never been brought back. So when was that? Like early 90s, mid 90s? When would She that was been? killed. I want to say she was killed in the late 80s. Wow. And uh, Age of Apocalypse was 95. So, um, so I don't think she'd been seen in the interim there except for these weirdo, uh, you know, so Legion well dreams. over, she was off the board for well over 30 years then. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. She was, uh, she was, she was gone. She was gone and very seldom even mentioned, you know, in a way where you would think she was coming back. You know, I think mm-hmm. she might've come back during Necrotia and Necrotia was the X-Men and Marvel's take on Blackest Night. DC massive crossover from twenty nine two thousand nine two thousand ten mm-hmm. where you know the Black Lanterns came back the Zombie Lanterns yada 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 Necrosha was similar to that uh, saline like raise the dead basically and I believe Destiny was a part of that but I mean that was a short that was a short lived little little event a little blip so technically you know or officially she's not been brought back very seldom even mentioned as being an, an, a possibility of coming back of course everything's different now post hoxbox everybody can come back so why not destiny mystique yeah, it's mystique's wife the thing with that is interesting because they uh they always kind of played it as though they were lovers and uh back in the day well you couldn't really do that you know you okay. couldn't sure i mean uh, even even like heterosexual stuff uh back in the back in the long ago you couldn't have you mean you couldn't have a husband and wife in the same bed without one of them having a foot on the floor right i don't know it, you you could hint at things but course. not really but you could say on the them page. out right yeah so destiny and mystique very clearly and i mean this was you know claremont stuff they were very clearly intended to be lovers but they couldn't actually come out and say it until now and uh one of the interesting things is uh, one of the rumors from back in the uh back in the usenet days uh was that and i believe claremont even even signed off on this he confirmed it that uh destiny was going to be nightcrawler's mother and mystique was going to be nightcrawler's father huh okay cuz Mystique going being the, your, your shape shapeshifter, shape-shifter. Yes. i guess she could shapeshift all the way absolutely not just so the she, disguise so that was uh that was one of the uh one of the more interesting things that uh You know, you see those stories—the the the aborted plot lines—is what the uh, the threads were called, and you always wanted to see those things played out because they just seem so interesting. And uh, I mean, whether or not it would have been, eh, we'll (laughs) never know. But But now, the desire to bring uh, Destiny back is a huge, huge driving force in for Mystique and for the whole world of Krakoa, because uh, Charles and Magneto are dangling. Bring destiny back over Mystique's head. Here, do this for us. Plant this seed. Do this other mission. All these things. And if you do that, we'll bring destiny back. And of course, they're never, ever, ever going to bring destiny back because Moira's one big rule is no No precogs precogs. on co-ops. Especially not that precog. Because she has plans. And if people can see the future and see the plans, Moira says, no good. That'll screw my plan up. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to keep... All those people that's the only class of mutants we're not gonna let in we're gonna let we'll let uh, all the villains in Magneto's um, <laughs> ma- on, toad uh, apocalypse all the worst they can be here, but I mean, anybody who can see five minutes into the future, they're out we'll go. they have we'll to we'll stay go. dead and and the way they did this was like heartbreaking because like mystique was i mean mystique is a conniving character here, but she was doing everything she did was earnest. You know, she did these things with the purpose of bringing back her wife, the person she loves more than anything else in the world. And every time she would fall just short. It's like, and Xavier this is give her like really where you speech. see Magneto and Xavier as just the biggest Billings. couple of bastards in this, this yeah. particular interaction because they're just crushing it, like holding it right over it. Right. It's just Dangle, dangle, yeah. pull away. like oh, And it's it like almost, almost came so close. close to the mission. Yeah. So close. Ah. Yeah. And what we find out, and one of Destiny's gimmicks here is not that not only that she's a precog, but she's also a damn good journaler. So she keeps diaries. I mean, uh, when, when Claremont came back to the X-Men around the turn of the century and then was quickly booted off and given his own book, the premise of that book, Extreme X-Men Volume 1, was that there was going to be a team of X-Men. Going to track down Destiny's diaries because all the information that anybody could ever want was were going to be in these journals, these diaries. Uh, what Xavier and Magneto didn't know is that Mystique has one of these journals, and she has it at her at her, you know, Krakoan abode. And it warns that Krakoa is going to be a thing. That's this crazy little hole in the ground, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I, like a little. I forget the name of it. There's some. Everybody has their own little special house. Little on cute Perkoa. name, yeah. Right, I, I don't forget remember the, what it's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's some. And odd there, name. I think going forward, there's going to be a new set of uh, Destiny's notebooks coming up. Destiny's journals. So that's going to it be another problem coming through. Yeah. So I mean, she has. So Mystique has this one, and what she knows. So, both these groups know something the other one doesn't. Yeah. So, uh, Charles and Magneto know they're never bringing Destiny back, and they know about the whole Moira situation. Mm -hmm. But Mystique has this prophecy from Destiny back in the way back, where the prophecy was uh, there's going to be an island, not the first island, but the last island, I think was the way it was phrased. Yeah, because I mean, we have Genosha, we have Utopia, we have all those others. And they're not going to want to bring me back. But you have to bring me back. Make sure you you bring me back. (laughs) And if you don't, the other option is, that's plan plan A is bring me back. Plan B is burn everything to the ground. Mm -hmm. And that's how that issue ends, right? We get that revelation that Mystique, we think that they have her over a barrel, but they don't know about this other barrel. There's a whole separate barrel that they're over. Exactly. And, I mean, we could think really, really hard on it and ruin it by wondering, like, why doesn't Xavier know that she knows this? He's a mind reader. They got Cerebro. That would all be in the backups. But we won't even worry about that. Right. That would, because, because it's, it's it. more fun this way is the answer. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> but this started a, a, a two-part – not two-part, but two consecutive issues of Volume 5, which were just – the peak the pinnacle of this run uh in right in people, i think for I mean. both of us as we're reading you know we, we both mm-hmm. were really high on hawks and pox and then we mm-hmm. start off dawn of x and it's okay and it starts to kind of drag a little bit yeah. you know, most of the books and then we hit these two issues of x-men and, and at least i'm excited again i'm back on board oh, oh there's I a hit. real story here there's a real mm-hmm. plan this, there's this seeds planted tissue. Yeah, this right. This is going somewhere and I want to see where it goes. Exactly. It's yeah. cuz we went we went from the excitement and the shoe-dropping nature of Hoxpox to business mm-hmm. as usual, which I mean is going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's just the nature But then of we hit and we and hit it. Mystique and Destiny in issue 6. Mm-hmm. We hit The Crucible in issue 7, mm-hmm. which we discussed a lot last time, which was exactly. really cool. Mm-hmm. And then we hit our first actual two-part issue of everything else had been one-shots, issues 8 and 9 It's a crossover from New Mutants. It's got Brew. It's got the Brood, and it doesn't seem to matter. Uh, There's this King Egg, and apparently the Brood go crazy whenever there's a King Egg. They all race for the King Egg, and it doesn't hatch into a King. Whoever eats the Egg becomes the King of the Brood, and it turns out to be Brew. This Mm -hmm. kind of cute, funny little little alien guy with a monocle or glasses. Works for the X Men. He eats the King Egg, and now he's in charge of the Brood. And I think again that comes back up in Empire or something. But that's that's happening off in space, and it doesn't seem to matter. This is a story that I think was. uh, I'm, you know, this is me spitballing here, but I think this thing, this was all plotted out pre-COVID, and I think that there were big plans for Brew and the Brood going into uh, X of Swords. Okay. Because um, if you look at the X of Swords sourcebook, there's a brew in- installment. There's a brew chapter. <laughs> and he doesn't show up in the thing at all. Huh. So I think there were plans here. I think these were seeds being planted for mm-hmm. the brew and brood involvement. We know there in were the changes in because the free comic book day issue that was hinting at things had, had some options. pages that showed yeah. up again in issue number one. But with changes yeah. to them, some characters swapped in and out. You know, some place where rock slide ended up being changed. started off being uh, blob, blob, right? Yeah. So there was definitely and a she was siren. They changed like a few that. things. So, and also I think it went from like a a like I think it was going to be like a sixteen part story to like a twenty three part story. So but I think f- they were buying time. I think they were, and I mean, as. Useless as a lot of those chapters were. Marvel, the comics industry, the world was in a tough place at that point. If you want to keep telling stories, you got to do what you can mm-hmm. to tell those stories. But that's that's issues eight and nine. If you yeah. care about space stuff, if you care about some kind of comedic storytelling, you can read those. Otherwise, Tempsic comedy yeah. doesn't doesn't seem to really matter right now. Yeah. So then we get that crossover from New Mutants in eight and nine. In ten and eleven, we get another crossover. This is mm-hmm. where Empire actually overlaps into the main X-Men book. Yes. It was a separate tie-in series, but this is, in X-Men itself, there's a tie-in. And this seemed completely meaningless and throwaway at the time. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that, that hey, very, very recently, this issue starts to matter again. Because we see Vulcan living on the moon, because he's a Summers brother, and that's where Summerses is, 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 can hang out, is there <laughs> in the blue area Somewhere of the moon. Else, yeah. And uh he's talking to his friends, Petra and Sway, right? Mm-hmm. who I, I guess what you tell me is they barely existed before they died way back when. Yeah. Yeah, they, so they were they, not longtime characters, beloved no, characters. they just were kind of on one mission. They were there to die. they were created. That's it. To 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 have a, a cheap thrill of seeing somebody get killed off, it seems that was it. Yeah, they but were now they're hanging to out and they're making I don't know if it's margaritas or daiquiris, but they're they're pounding these drinks. <laughs> they're trying to get Vulcan to not be such a sourpuss and have some drinks with them, and then he heads out onto the surface of the moon because there's something weird going on, and that's where he encounters the Empire aliens. Oh, people, yeah. and we find out that. When Vulcan had died in War of Kings, something about Kings, so. mm-hmm. we find out that something was done to him. We get this flashback where there is these, I guess, very Hickmany aliens find out that there's something deeply bad, malevolent inside him, coated with a little thin layer of benevolence. Mm-hmm. And that's when they let him go. And that's why it turns out Retcon, he didn't actually die there. And these Empire aliens find out the same thing before he he blows them all up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And what it turns out is that Petra and Sway, because at this time, the only characters who come, could come back are ones who were uploaded to Cerebro. yeah. Post-Shiar uh, involvement. Post-Shiar involvement. Okay. So because Petra and Sway died before that, it didn't really make sense that they could be brought back, right? Yeah. They, they should not have been brought back. And there were a few instances where there were some lapses in communication. Uh, I'm, I'm, Again, one of those issues where is it a clue or is it a mistake? Yeah, or a mistake. And in this case, it <coughs> both. Uh, oh, sorry about that, everybody. Um, Our our device system technology uh hiccuped on us. It seems to be a, uh, you know, I think our, our recording program, really wants us to do like a practice take you know is a <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we've gotten through I, one of these i, I wonder if maybe yet. we're being spied on by orcas or that Uh-oh. that crazy rasputin guy over in russia i think that's maybe a sign that our technology is working against us ah the peacock faced man where is he at he we need to we need to get him on the line here uh we were just talking about uh the the inconvenient petra and sway that was in right. X Men number ten, was it? Nine, mm-hmm. number, one 10, of those. number ten, number ten, number ten. Where? So we're on the moon. We, are we on have the moon. Uh, our Vulcan is he's gone out. He's come back. Probably not our, fa- our favorite Summers brother, but one of our three favorite Summers brothers is there four, on the moon. One of our four. favorite One of our four oh four? Right, four, four favorite Summers brothers. Me. He's there on the moon and he's talking to Petra and Sway, who shouldn't really be around anymore no. because. They were never uploaded to Cerebro, no. but they're partying up on the moon. They're one of the many, many. This is a the theme we didn't mention. Everyone's mm. be- drinking all the time on Krakoa. Yeah, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty drinky uh, little. So they seem to yeah. fit right in with the theme that everybody's having their daiquiris and their maritas mm. and having a good time. And as it turns out, they don't actually exist. Yeah. They're supposed to be a figment of Vulcan's imagination, which is why nobody was supposed to actually interact with them except for him. Hickman made a little mistake, so mm-hmm. that kind of screwed that up. But it is being fixed right now by Al Ewing over on Mars in the X-Men Red Book. So he yeah. has his own little little mini retcon fix to that. So folks who are up to date will see why this what seemed like kind of a throwaway issue of mm-hmm. X-Men is suddenly Two years later, relevant. super, super relevant. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Now, that was only the first half of the Empire cash-in, tie-in, whatever-in. Uh, the second one, probably my favorite issue of uh, the Empire run. I mean, we had the four-issue miniseries, which maybe we'll talk more about later. There isn't much to say about it. But um, there were these two parts in the flagship as well. First one, Falcon centric Second one, Magneto-centric. Mm-hmm. And this Magneto one—I mean, if you ever needed convincing that Magneto is a, a force to be reckoned with, he is—he is Omega, right? It he seems like, oh, funniest. he make can make things stick to the refrigerator. No, no, no—he's—he's he's a badass. Yeah, I mean, like you ever stuck in traffic and you think, "What if I was Magneto?" <laughs> and then uh, I haven't, but now I will. Yeah, and it's like, and then I think to myself, my next thought is, "It's a good thing I'm not," because. <laughs> be <laughs> moving out of my way, but uh, he's a powerful dude. And, uh, the plant based aliens would, uh, would strike. I mean, it would stand to reason Krakoa's plants. we got plant aliens. It would, uh, it would seem like a glamour right. mission. They he heard about Krakoa via the people that Vulcan killed up on the moon. Mm-hmm. That's where they heard the word Krakoa. And that word got beamed back via plant radio to their, their main ship, the main Mm -hmm. flower pot whatever it was and that's when they said oh yeah we should also go and attack the island of Krakoa." Mm -hmm. so that's That's how Krakoa got dragged into empire yes and uh, magneto just brings pain raining literally down upon them it's like a cartoon almost it is the the comic timing is actually oddly well done where he makes uh like one satellite fall on them and that doesn't quite finish them off so he brings down another satellite a little bit and then there's Right, and then there's some some jokes about how oh, whose satellite was that? Well, we weren't supposed to know about it anyway, It wasn't supposed to be there, so yeah.
0: no oh, harm well no foul. right <laughs> so Off-setting just,
1: penalties, yeah, magneto just killed it, and um as as we mentioned in our first recording here uh, this was uh this was kind of contrasted with Exodus talking about how powerful magneto is, Exodus of course, has been. Uh, indoctrinating? as a Sunday school kind of out sermon, in the woods yeah. telling they're inventing a new mythology and they're, they're creating a culture here, right? Yes. So cultures need heroes, cultures need stories, and Krakoa's only been around for seven minutes. Oh, course, so yeah. this is this is a new story that he's telling to the children. He's telling them all about how this is our hero Magneto. He fights so you won't have to. Mm-hmm. And this is the great tale of our, like you're talking about Hercules, Odysseus. Except that you can still walk around and, and run into them, sure. And this the that contrast that it's happening now, but it's also mythic at the same time is a as a interesting little feeling they create, and it's it's Absolutely. very well done. Absolutely, it's a, it's as though everything everything is history immediately, and the way you frame it, the way you use it. I mean, you can you can build a belief system on it, and uh, that's in Exodus's gimmick. To this point, you know, um, it's all about teaching the children well and uh, and kind of uh, putting that image out there. So really, really well done. Really great issue. Um, mm-hmm. A shockingly great issue. I remember when I got up to this in X-Labs and I was like, oh, God, it's another empire. Another damn yeah. empire. And story. it's but it's a book you can read. And all you have to know was there's some aliens attacking Krakoa. And here's how we're fighting them off. The rest of how it ties in. Doesn't matter. doesn't matter, so don't worry about it. And I mean, it's Marvel, so you can always assume that there's at least one alien group trying to get onto Earth. <laughs> that's pretty much their go-to at, the, at this point in time. But, right, um, and these ones have to be plant-related, which kind of fits thematically with the Krakow. So that I has a little resonance been, there. It would have been weird if the, if the X-Men hadn't gotten involved with this one. But um, that's pretty much where X-Men Volume 5, the identity of it as the vignette-laden... F- flagship, it, it kind of ducks down for a little bit because this is where we start tying everything together. You know, right. Um, this is, this is where we, we saw hints of all the way back in the Pox, all the mm-hmm. way back in number X-Men two. number two, talking about things are pointed towards uh, Ten of Swords, yeah. X of Swords, uh, X of Tens, X of ten. where we saw there's this other half of the island that isn't attached anymore mm-hmm. that it used to be there was this one entire island the whole of it was called Okara starts mm-hmm. with an o it's the same letters uh Hick- Hickman likes to mix letters up to give them different names so it started off as Okara and this is where uh A uh, Apocalypse mm-hmm. lived with uh, his his wife Genesis and his offspring the horsemen of the apocalypse mm-hmm. and this whole bunch of first kind of generation of mutants Lived here in I don't know peace and harmony or maybe killing each other who knows and they were attacked through some kind of a portal by these demons from Amenth, Amenth- and Amenth is a, a new creation as far as I can tell that's connected to is it part of Otherworld adjacent to Otherworld I'm not really sure the it's geography like a suburb of Otherworld okay <laughs> it's like we have the we have the foul and fair kingdoms and then like Amenth is just kind of there, because I mean, immense to to kick off Exaltans, which we'll get to eventually. They kind of took over one of the kingdoms. That's how it opened up. They they right. usurped. Right. You know, they took the king out and they took over and they kind of just laid their flag. They planted their flag in this one uh, kingdom. So, mm-hmm. but this is way way back when. Yes. The the, the, yeah, millennia O'Hara. and I don't think we really know why. I think this is just. This is what these demons do. They attack voices. Somehow the mutants of Okara got on their radar and they attacked with this poor this huge war. And the only way that they could prevent the Amenti demons from taking over the entire island and the entire world, the entire earth, was to use this this sword. What is Genesis's sword called? It's not the sword of destiny, is it? No, it's no. She, her her big old sword, yeah, she cuts the island in half. Sword. And half the island goes back through the portal to Amenth to keep the battle going there. And the other half of the island is what we know as Krakoa. Yeah. And the only one left behind, I think, is Apocalypse. And in fact, Genesis tells her beloved husband, the reason you can't come with us is because you're not strong enough, mm-hmm. which puts a whole new spin on Apocalypse going for Who's the fittest? Got to be the fittest. She says, stay here. Make the mutants and everyone on this world super fit just in case they have to fight these demons again. Meanwhile, hubby, I'll be over here through the portal actually fighting the battle all the, all the time. Yes. Absolutely. And so, I mean, like you said, this has, been being, this has been in the works from the start here. We don't know how much of it is actually the way it was originally intended to be. Really right. not the this whole crossover is a Hickman and Teeny Howard, I think are the two main collaborators moving yes. this forward, and those are two writers with, I would say very different voices yeah, so I don't they don't really blend so much together i at least I feel like I can see, oh, this is a Hickman part, this mm-hmm. is a Howard part, but who knows I'm not part of their group chats well, if you if you liked it, it probably wasn't either of those two. Uh, if you did, it didn't did like it, it might have been one of those. Because uh, when you get to X here, Jerry Duggan and uh, Ben Percy did a lot of the heavy lifting and making you give a crap about these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, it well, the it whole, wasn't just whole the whole mythic backstory mm-hmm. seems very Hickman to me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and then uh, the fantasy trappings feel more Teeny Howard. The de- the, the de- I'm, de- I'm sure they, they work together. together. I'm sure. I'm sure. But. Uh, didn't really put in much of the work in making us care about these brand new characters but we'll get to that somewhere down the line so <laughs> so in this issue 12 we get the summoner who is the grandchild of apocalypse, apocalypse I believe yes right he's telling the story and as we find out later when we hear the story again <laughs> panel for panel the same exact art's going to come back but he's not quite telling the whole story so we know he's not fully a reliable narrator and we get on we get later on what he's not telling us. Certainly. Certainly, yes. He's leaving leaving certain parts out. He's uh he's embellishing on other parts here. Trying to basically keep keep Apocalypse at uh, arm's length here. Just uh, wanting him to know all all that he thinks he needs to know, but not everything he should know. And that will come back around. Mm-hmm. But this entire twelfth issue here is just I mean, I think phrases like exposition dump are overused. I think it's like a go-to for, uh, you know, fake-ass analysts. Sure. This was an exposition dump. It's an exposition dump, and I call it a motivation dump, too, Mm -hmm. because we have to motivate why everyone on Krakoa is going to fight this battle. Why we don't just, oh, they're coming through this gate. This is the only gate between here and there. This gate was closed off back when, way back when, when we sent Genesis through there. Mm-hmm. Why don't we just close this gate again and boom, boom, call it done? Yeah. And well, there's there's two major voices arguing against this, right? There's mm-hmm. Apocalypse, who wants, he wants his family back. Yep. And there's Krakoa, who he wants, wants the other half back. Yeah. And we sometimes forget in this that Krakoa is not just the place where this all happens. Krakoa is a main character quite possibly the main character of this whole era we call it the mm-hmm. Krakoa era and yeah. that's that's who's running things if Krakoa says you got to do this or I'm out of our deal the mutants have to go along yeah,
0: because go Krakoa
1: forth. is fully capable of just shaking them off like fleas it seems and saying <laughs> much. you know the deal's done mm-hmm. yes uh, so there's a, something called the external gate, which is something that Apocalypse had been working on over in the Excalibur book, where, I mean, the externals are a pretty, pretty deep cut. Uh, they come from the Rob Liefeld uh, era of X-Force way back in 91, 92, a long, long time ago. Uh, there was, you know, a story about whether or not Cannonball was one. And then I remember like the online discourse back in the BBS, you know, using that days was like, well, why don't you just cut Cannonball's head off? You know, what happens if Cannibal's head gets cut off? Is he still an <laughs> external? Is he still coming back? And, I mean, it never got to that. Thankfully or unthankfully, I don't know. But uh, you got characters like Gideon, Celine, the externals. They are basically immortal mutants. It was an freedom. era, I think, where they kept trying to top themselves, right? No, these are the most powerful. No, my creations are even more powerful. My creations sure. are twice as powerful as that. And this seems like one of those, no, mine are the best. It's true, and it's it's so uh it's so hard to do stuff like that. It's so hard to establish or differentiate like um, when Claremont came back, he introduced us to the neo. Now, the neo were introduced to us and explained to us as what mutants are to humans, the neo are to are to mutants. What the hell does that mean? It doesn't mean anything at the end right. of the day. It's just like, okay. What are their powers? What makes their powers dwarf mutant powers? It's like, well, this one can move a mountain. It's like, well, Magneto can do that. And in a, a shared universe where you have all these different people trying to say, no, these are the most powerful, yeah. the world starts to get crowded. Yeah. right. You, you start to run about space. Like, if all these super powerful people are around... How do how do they bump into each other? And they usually don't. So I guess those it's are the extra heavy, a very top heavy uh, situation there. It's like uh, over at DC, you'd get like the the one big new character, and it would it would kick off by you know beating the hell out of the other big character, like a uh, like Mongol would get beat up by Darkseid, and then Darkseid get beat up by Doomsday, mm-hmm. and then Doomsday would get beat up by Empirics. You know, it's like there's a pecking order, and it's it's it sucks. <laughs> it's it's annoying, but here we have the externals. They were harvested to create this gateway, to get to immense, to, to reunite the island. Right. Apocalypse needed their bones to make this. We, it set up that very old bones have powerful magic to them. So the yeah. oldest bones around are the externals. So Apocalypse somehow kills them off and uses, uses them to make this gate. Yes, exactly. So that's, that pretty much brings us- to um, ExoSword's creation. I mean, that's uh, at least from the X-Men Volume 5 standpoint here, which, I mean, I guess that's probably as far as we're going to get today. I yeah, we're going to we're gonna call that a, a nice place to, to call an end to this extended uh, disc- discursive chat, which I hope everyone enjoyed listening to. <laughs> so uh, that was X-Men Volume 5, issues 1 through 12, which is the lead-up to the Ten of Swords crossover. So next mm-hmm. time... I think the plan is we're going to kind of jump back in time and talk about the other series that yeah. kicked off this wave of the book. So your Marauders, your X-Force, New Mutants, X-Force, your New, New humans, Jungles, Excalibur. your Excalibur, I guess, mm-hmm. all those right. things. So if there are those partic- – this is where we invite your feedback. So are there mm-hmm. particular issues in those stories you want to you hear more about, things that you think uh, our expertise, by which I mean Chris's expertise, would be useful to hear about you know, let us know. So send us email through the Gmail address there in the description, hit us up on Twitter or those of us in the Slack chat, let us know. We'll give you what you want to hear. So our plan is to talk about those issues and eventually to kind of, again, pick the relevant bits up and carry us forward to the beginning of this AXE judgment day crossover. And we'll also throw some uh, episodes in talking about how the Avengers tie in and how Mm -hmm. those, Good old Eternals tie-in. Speaking of super powerful people who maybe don't quite fit in the universe so well. True, and we will we will discuss that. We will dissect that. And uh, I mean, for the longest time, I I I always framed the Eternals as being not part of the Marvel universe. They just seemed a little bit too. They different. do, but I, again, uh, the this Kieran Gillen run is actually quite it's good. So solid. if you haven't read that yet, it's it's mm-hmm. filtering into Marvel Unlimited. Should be mostly there. Yeah. Give it a look-see. it. it it's, it's worth your time. It is. And solid. and we will let you know exactly the important parts of it in some future episode. But until then, oh, really? I think we're going to wrap up our second Weird Dose of X and uh, make sure that, oh, if you want to hear more about this, I happen to know somebody who recorded an episode on each mm-hmm. and every one of these issues in the Dawn of X. And well, that I, is my I co-host, Chris, Chris here. Yeah. So, how, Chris, how would these people, if they want to hear more about all these issues, including all those other series, how would they go about finding those? Oh, certainly, certainly. You could check out a few different places. Uh, Chris's on Infinite Earths is the website where I put a lot of stuff. But uh, for the uh, quickest and easiest way, uh, just go to chrisandreggie.podbean.com. That's the Chris and Reggie Cosmic Treadmill uh, podcast channel, network, whatever the hell it is. And you'll be able to find all of the X-Lapsed. I mean, an X-Lapsed isn't even, you know, the, the start and end of it. There's Other X-Men related stuff, the essential x laps going back in time to the Silver Age from the very, very start, covering every single X-Men appearance, not just in X-Men. So if they show up in Fantastic Four, we talk an issue of Fantastic Four. If they show up in Avengers, we talk about that. If a random mutant shows up in a Nick Fury Age in a S.H.I.E.L.D. story, talk about that. It's a pretty wild time. It's fun. It's an education for me because so much of the Silver Age has been... You know, basically just X Men and Spider Man for me. So uh, going back and revisiting these, or visiting some of them for the very first time has been very, very fun, very enlightening. But uh, there are a variety of different ways. If uh, if you want to check out X Labs issue by issue, there's X Labs. If you want to uh, say you bought the anthology series, you know the anthology collections that Marvel puts out, like the Dawn of X Volume One through I think it was sixteen. Something I, I don't give Marvel credit too often. But these anthology books are absolute genius. I don't use the word genius very often either, but this is such a great way to keep up without having to hit the shop every single week, without having to track down books, without having to dig through variant covers to find the real cover. You have a trade paperback. It collects a month worth of books right there in one package. I've also put together episodes in the format of those anthology series. So say you bought volume one of Dawn of X. There's an episode there for it that collects all the issues that are in it. There's also something called the X-Labs Triple Dip, which is more just following single series through and collecting them. So it'll be like the first six issues of X-Men Volume 5, first six issues of Marauders, the entirety of Fallen Angels, stuff like that. Yep. And that's actually what I've been listening to the past week or so to uh, Mm -hmm. remind myself where this Mm -hmm. came through. So I have now listened to all the Triple Dips. Currently posted, oh, and I've started to listen to uh, the X of Swords cover just to remind myself how it felt to be reading these things in real time because that's what Chris does. He mm-hmm. he reads an issue, he doesn't read ahead, and then he talks about it and reacts to it in real time as he gets to it, which is a lot of fun to think back on. Because I remember I had I had finished reading X of Swords. Before Chris started, so I yeah. knew some things were coming up. I had like a mental list. Oh, I wonder what he's going to think of this. <laughs> I wonder is that going to make him mad? That'll probably going to make him mad when he gets to that. That'll be fun to hear. So <laughs> it's it's a fun show to listen to, and that's where I got my start as just a podcast letter hack. I wasn't you know always behind this microphone here. I would write letters into, you know, to the Weird Science podcast, to Chris's podcast, to all sorts of other podcasts, and you know that's where my first uh for cohen opinions have been published. So you can you can catch me, see if I'm changing my story now that I know more <laughs> things. See if you catch me out. And I tell you what, um doing doing it in the format I was doing it and getting such awesome feedback, yours included, uh Andrew and Belfast would write in. A bunch of people would write in regularly and a lot of them had me at a disadvantage because they had read ahead and they were reacting to my reactions and adding so much to the conversation here. And that's something I'd love to have here on this program anybody oh, yes, has to write in and chat us up about anything, any of the uh, tangents that I take us, you know, drag us down. If you want to talk anything more about that, let us know. Anything that you think we might be off base on, let us know. Anything you agree on that you let us know. Anything that we may have opened your eyes to, or something you may open our eyes to. We want to hear it. We want to have those discussions. That's some of the most fulfilling stuff as a uh, podcast creator is just interacting and uh, kind of, you know, be bopping off of each other. So, I invite and encourage you to uh, to reach out to us. And while I'm inviting you to reach out to us, as Jason put it earlier, if there's anything you'd like to hear us talk about, as you know, we're going to be working our way through Dawn of X. As you know, I can't shut up. So we don't know how long this is going to take. Uh, we were going to get through all six of the uh, first wave books today, and we did not because I can't shut up. So. If you want to hear our thoughts on, like, X-Force or Marauders, we will prioritize that. We will put that first just in case I take us down a wild and wacky road and we don't get to something else. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about. We would be more than happy to do so. Okay. Thank you very much for listening. We're going to wrap it up here. We will be back next week to talk about more Dawn of X. But until then, see you all next time. Thanks, everybody. See ya.